copyrighted program transcribed and dedicated to the prevention of crime. Calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 167. Stand by to assist narcotics squad in apprehending dope That is all. Norton. conscious of the dangers of narcotics. Dope. Most of the nations are banded together by treaties to assist each other in stamping out the evil. Each has specialists at work on the problem. In the United States, this campaign of prevention and suppression rests in the hands of the officers of the narcotic squads, federal, state, and municipal. It is highly specialized work and dangerous because the narcotic agent works best when he works alone, undercover. He must meet cunning with cunning and never, never drop his disguise, which as a rule is that of a dealer in drugs. For the peddler, especially the one who deals in large amounts, is cautious, oily, and ruthless. Such is the story you will hear. The Whistling Snowbird. October 1936. Deep in the interior of Los Angeles Oriental Section, two unkempt men browse through the narrow alley-like streets. To the observer, they are just a part of the never-ending line of food-seeking scavengers whose hungry eyes seek for scraps of anything edible to save up salvation. But under the filthy clothes, the matted beards, these two men are interested in a far greater reward than food. They are two alert, watchful narcotic squad workers. Lieutenants Wallace Breeden and Raymond Clark making careful notes as they go. A dope drive is on the way. You are 
Now, once in a something? Oh, just looking around, seeing the sights. You uh, are having uh, money? Maybe. Uh, better, maybe you are leaving. My people not enjoying uh, a sight here. Uh, maybe you could tell us where we might find some fun. You know, happy fun. Uh, not understanding. You leave now. Oh, sure you understand. Fun. Not understanding. So fast. All right, all right.
It is one of those jobs where two's more than company. It's a crowd. And the following day, Chitwood carries out the first step in his dangerous plan. Becomes Eddie Spencer, big-time dope peddler in search of morphine. For several weeks, he befriends stingy oriental dens, talking just enough to let anyone interested know that he's looking for a business deal, that he has plenty of money to play with. But as the days go by and no contact is made, his hopes begin to go down. Determined to stick with it as long as is humanly possible, he continues to make the rounds. One night, in a small restaurant, as he sits alone, finishing a tasty dinner of fried rice and shrimp, a small, nervous-looking oriental comes to his table, introduces himself. Uh, you are Mr. Spencer, yes? Yeah? That's right. You are uh, looking for something uh, to buy? Yeah, maybe. Uh, that is good. Uh, if uh, you would be interested, uh, I might be able to help you. How do I know you're on the up and up? Uh, I will show you. If you are interested at all. Well, I don't know anything about you, but I'll listen to your proposition. What's the deal? Uh, we cannot talk here. Uh, you'll come with me uh, to my friend. Uh, huh? no, wait a minute, listen. I don't like too many people in my business. He can tell me enough to know whether or not I'm interested right here. In the first place, what can you supply me with? Oh, not able to tell him, no. Uh, my friend, he knows. No, 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 I don't like it. You can take your choice now. Tell me what I want to know right now or forget the whole thing. Uh, you come with me. My friend. I know, your friend will tell me, but that's out. I don't go anywhere with you until I get an answer. If I were to tell you uh, it is uh, morphine, would you come to my friend? Mm, perhaps. Then I say... Uh, it is Morphine. The very best. You come now? Where is your friend's place? Uh, you come with me. I shall. Okay. I'll talk to your friend. Only I'm warning you. This stuff isn't the best. No deal. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, very best of stuff. You come. So, Captain Kitwood, hoping that his diminutive guide will supply the first link in his long search, Patiently follows through narrow alleys, his eyes constantly watching for some sign of danger. After a seemingly endless journey, the little oriental stops before a rickety old building. Motions for Chitwood to follow behind him, then opens a squeaking door, starts up a dark flight of stairs. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Yes? What is this? I don't like the look of this place. Uh, my friend is here. You come. Uh, all right, then. Go ahead. Oh, 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 hey, one minute. Uh, if you come with me, 
I know a friend who has some. Uh, how do I know you won't pull the same thing as Osabi here? You want uh, morphine? That's right. Huh. You come with me to friend. He have it. All right. I'll take your word for it, Miss Arthur. Let's go. So once again, Chitwood makes the journey, this time led by Osabi's friend, Nazaki. After several minutes of walking, they enter a small restaurant, keep themselves at a secluded table. Excusing himself, Nazaki leaves Chitwood alone for a few minutes, then returns with another Oriental. And after an exchange of brief formalities, the newcomer gets down to business. My friend, Nasaki, tells me you are wanting more things. That is correct, Mr. That is entirely correct. I understand you can supply it. I can? Mm-hmm, yes. If it's any good, I'm ready to buy five pounds. It is good, but five pounds. What's the matter with that? Only that I not have that much. So sorry, Mr. Spencer. You can't get me five pounds? Sorry, but uh, I have idea how you can get that much. Don't yeah. tell me you have a friend, too. I have friends. Uh, there is chance they might help you. All right. Where do we go to see these friends of yours? I will take you to them. Only one thing, Mr. Spencer. Yeah? My friends, they are very particular. You will let them speak our business first. Understand? Oh, sure, that's all right with me. That is good, then. We can go now. Anytime you say. Sooner the better for me. Then, if you will uh, follow me, we go. Again, Captain Chitwood finds himself in the role of follower. Again, he makes a roundabout journey through the alleys of the district. But with each change of guide, his goal seems to come closer, and his hopes are of the highest, and they finally enter another small restaurant on the other side of the district. Again, seat themselves at the small table. A short time later, his latest guide introduces him to three educated-looking Orientals. This time, Chitwood feels he is at last on the right track. Hiding his impatience, he follows instructions. There's nothing of the business at hand. While Mrs. Okai, Izu, and Nagai exchange polite generalizations with him. You are familiar with our country, Mr. Pinson? Yes, fairly. I've been to the Orient. It's a robbery country. Mm-hmm. You've been in America for some time, huh, Mr. Okai? Several years. Your English is so good, I thought you must have lived here for a good many years. Hey, uh, happy to hear you here, Mr. Pinson. It's a compliment. You are not drinking with us, Mr. Pinson. Why are you talking? I uh, never drink when I'm doing business. Oh, then I will drink your glass. Well, certainly, just help yourself. I uh, think uh, perhaps we should uh, go somewhere else, eh? It's a great city for Anything you think. Uh, that is, uh, that is uh, <laughs> very good. I have a phrase in mind. <laughs> very nice phrase. We will uh, go there. Figuring Okai to be the leader, Chitwood plays his part to perfection. Not one word of business has been mentioned. At no time has Okai so much as hinted at the thoughts running behind his mask-like oriental face. And yet Chitwood realizes that this is the supreme test. An old hand at narcotic investigation and familiar to the ways of the oriental, he knows just what he is being subjected to. At each place, he is being carefully studied by other members of the dope ring. As he sits in the latest one, an oriental nightclub, his thoughts are not of the happiest. Should one person recognize him, the result would be more than unpleasant. He is in so deep, there can be no turning back now. 
So, surrounded by his three companions, he tries to appear unconcerned. You see, Mr. Spencer, my people are uh, rapidly acquiring the dance customs of your country. The music, dance, even the Yes, I noticed that. It's a surprising thing. There are many surprising things to be found here. Yes, that's right, Mr. McGuire. I can see that. Things that would perhaps uptown even one so used to excitement. The excitement of America, I mean, after you. Yes, I uh, have no doubt of that, Mr. McGuire. No doubt at all. And after a few minutes in the nightclub, McGuire suggests another place. Accordingly, the four pay their bill and leave, moving to another club. And as they sit at their table, Chitwood suddenly looks up directly into the inquiring eyes of a small oriental standing a few feet away. For an instant, the two stare at each other, and the oriental turns his head away. There is no more attention to him. And Chitwood, for the first time in a long minute, breathes again. The man is a peddler who only ten years ago he had sent to San Quentin on a narcotic charge. Suddenly, a moment later, a guy suggests they go outside. After again paying a small bill, they leave the noisy club huddled in the quiet street in front. And to his surprise, Chitwood sees Chizu and Okai continue on down the street, leaving him alone with Nagai. What's your idea, Nagai? Where are your friends off to? I am telling them to go. We will talk our own, Mr. Kent. And I still don't get it. Too many people in on a field. No one can make any profit of We do business our own. You've been a long time coming to the point, Nagai. I've only taken these precautions necessary. Now I'm satisfied. Yes. I'm informed of you are wishing five pounds. That is right? That's right. Very well. Tomorrow night, uh, you will meet me at my hotel. I will have what you desire with me. You will have a uh, necessary amount of money. Five thousand dollars. Well, I've got to test the stuff first, Nagai. Oh, that will be satisfactory, uh, when we meet, you may do so. Okay, if it's good, I'll take the five pounds tomorrow and sign a contract to buy more each month. Now then, uh, where's your hotel? I will show you now. Uh, that way, will be no mistakes made uh, tomorrow. Good enough. Let's go. Shown to a small hotel on East First Street, this would ask the number of the rooms and is told he will be met in front. Time is set for nine o'clock. After a brief goodbye, Chipwood covers his tracks carefully and proceeds to headquarters, holds a conference with his assistants, Regan and Clark. Now, if our luck holds, we'll have Nagai cold turkey. Well, if it doesn't hold, he'll have you cold copper. That's right. Now, here's what I want you boys to do. Take this address on First Street and stake out there tomorrow evening. Keep out of sight and don't let anybody get suspicious of it. As soon as Nagai tells me this stuff, I'll call you and then we can take him in. Okay, and he will be there. And there's nothing to do now, but just wait. I'm going back to my spot before someone gets work. See you tomorrow night at night. Acting upon Chitwood's instructions, Clark and Greeton stake out the hotel from a small alleyway directly across the street. For several hours, they wait in silence as the minutes tick by, bringing the appointed hours closer and closer. At two minutes after nine, Clark suddenly nudges Greeton, speaks in a low whisper. There's any... Just throw open parts over there. Yeah, I see him. Now all we've got to do is hold our fingers crossed and pray a little. Already done with. Look, it is 
fool with the hotel. No, wait a minute. Look, that guy's stopping him. They're talking. Yeah, so far, so good. When they get inside, you better move in closer so we can hear Eddie yell. Yeah. Watch it. Cut the drop. They're heading back to Eddie's car. Something's going wrong about plans. What do we do now? If they drive off, we better beat it back to our car and see if we can pick up their trail. Okay. Let's go. They're doing just that. Rushing back to their cars, Leeson and Clark drive around the block looking for Chitwood's car. But there's no sign of it. Accordingly, doing the only thing left to do, they start a wild drive through the narrow streets, hoping against hope that they will locate Chitwood in time to carry out their plans. And in another part of town, Chitwood obeys instructions as they are given him by Nagai, turning first right, then left, then right again, until all sense of direction is completely lost. Running right out of this corner. Right it is. Don't quite get the idea, Nagai. You said you lived in that hotel back there on First Street. Oh, yes, sir. I said it up. But you do. Is that right? Yes, sir. That is right, Mr. Spencer. Well, where are we going now? You will see. Corner left to your feet. It is uh, my business uh, to be very careful not to take chances, Mr. Spencer. Yeah, I agree with that, all right. Well, this seems like a pretty long way to get anywhere. You will drive in direction I give you, then we will talk. Okay, now, guys, your deal. You will uh, stop in here? Yes, okay. Oh. Hey, what the deuce? This is within a block of the place we started from. This is our destination, however. And now, Mr. Spencer, come. We will go into my room. Oh, uh, wait a minute there. I've got an idea. Why don't you bring the stuff down here to the car? I can test it here, and if it's okay, I'll give you the money. I've got the money right here in this briefcase. Oh, why should I do that? Well, as long as I thought it might look funny, my going in this hotel, wouldn't it? It will not look funny. Many white people go in this hotel. We will go in upstairs. Oh, okay. What's the room number? We will see when we get to it. Come, please. His hopes of getting the room number and writing it on a matchbox dropped for his assistance to find, blocked by the wise Nagai, Sitwood follows him through the lobby of one of the district's smartest hotels. Past the elevator, up a flight of stairs to the second floor. There, Nagai puts a finger to his lips. Thorson Sitwood is silent. It is best to be very quiet. My man is in the next room. You might hear us. And this is a deal between us, our own. Okay, my man. All right, sir. Oh, coming in the fire, Now, please, if you will show me money. Sure thing. Yes, there it is. $4,400. If it's just okay, I'll bring you the rest tomorrow. Morphine is of a, a very finest. My brother, in Orient, manufactures things. It's a very best. Sir. All right, let's see. It is here. It's a suitcase. Uh, this overcoat is very fine garment, Mr. Spinster. 
Most valuable. You see, uh, from running, I remove these little pockets. There is your mochi. Uh, let me have one of those pockets. Oh, yes, sir. Certainly. Mm, that's first grade, all right. It is, as I am telling you, for very fine of stuff. All right, my guy. Here's the money. <laughs> you can have the briefcase as a gift from me. Oh, 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 oh thank you, sir. And here are rest of uh, five pounds. Mm-hmm, that's fine. Oh, by the way, Nagai, I forgot to show you something. Take a look at this. What? Oh. I do not understand. Oh, uh, don't you? It's a police badge. It means that you're under arrest. Arrest, sir. Oh, no. Come on. Drop those scissors. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Get him out. Get him out. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Of this officer was enough to poison a whole city full of people. 
Realize the dangers that threaten us and those we hold dear. Make this problem a personal one, and so understand its significance to us individually and as members of a civilized community threatened by this constant danger. The work of these officers proves that crime does not pay. Thank you.